Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women on how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwitit.org. Hello, and welcome to another edition of uh, the Get Wit It podcast. Today, we are going across the country to Seattle. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. On the West Coast. <laughs> On the West Coast. Um, we're talking with Sharon and we're going to learn all sorts of wonderful things. So I thank you for interrupting your lunch. Poor Sharon's missing lunch right now to talk to us. So Sharon, thank you for joining us. It's fine. I have a coffee. I'm good. That's all lunch I need. Oh. <laughs> you got Starbucks? <laughs> How did you know? Is there a camera in here? <laughs> oh, could be that Seattle thing. <laughs> could be. So Sharon. We are so excited to have you on. Tell us all about yourself, and then we want to hear about all the wonderful things you do. Well, awesome. <laughs> That's a very broad question. <laughs> <laughs> do I start with where I was born, or do you want to know more recent history? Uh, we could go. We could speed it up a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, so I guess I could start with um, my my role here, a little bit about Slalom, so everyone has context for the company, if that sounds good with you. Sounds great. Okay, perfect. So um, I am part of Slalom, which is a um, rather large privately held company. Um, we're about $1.4 billion revenue, and we're across 27 local markets. Um, and the organization that I'm a part of is called Slalom Build. So we're under the big Slalom Consulting banner. And within Slalom Build, we have eight build centers where we have people that their sole focus in life is to build software. So we house and have all of the capabilities that do that, from um, looking at how you manage the projects to software engineering to quality engineering and experience design are all within our eight build centers. Um, we are rapidly growing and I think we're going to be up to at least 13 build centers next year, um, which is really, really exciting. So that's some context on Slalom, and we can get into more questions on that later if you have them. But I can explain um, my role a little bit in the company. Um, I think that's probably pertinent to what we're doing. So uh, I'm what is called a managing director um, within Slalom Build. And basically, as a managing director, I am accountable for two different capabilities in particular. So when I talked about all those capabilities that build software, I'm responsible for one called solution ownership. Solution ownership is our capability where it leads and manages all of our project teams. So we have combined the classic roles of project manager, business analyst, and scrum master into one role on all of our projects. And that is the solution owner role. So we have um, about... 97 specifically, because I want to get to 100, across those eight build centers that we have um, hired them all from scratch when I got here six years ago. The other capability I'm responsible for is quality engineering. So almost the opposite end of the spectrum in some ways, 
from solution ownership of running the projects to quality engineering of, of testing the software. So that organization also started from scratch six years ago and highly technical organization that partners with our software engineers to test our software. We have about 135 of those folks across all of our build centers as well. So that's kind of my line responsibilities, making sure that both capabilities are cared for, we're hiring the right skill sets, they're in all the right locations, we're talking about career paths, working on getting them staffed on projects, the right projects, uh, working through any project issues for any of those folks. My other job, actually I have two of them, is um, one is I'm also responsible for our Denver Build Center. I work on making sure that that is working cohesively. And so I spend a little bit of time in Denver working on that. And I also work with a few of our markets in talking to clients about what we do in framing up solutions and working through that process to engage teams so that they can start working with us. So it's from the whole spectrum of sales and delivery and operations. It's essentially my job responsibilities across all of that. Okay. So you're, you really don't do anything all day long is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I look for new projects. <laughs> okay. I have to yes. back up for a minute here. Okay. Yeah. So eight build centers. Where are these eight build centers located at? You said across the country, right? Yeah, across the country. Um, so ma- our our strategy is to put them into major metropolitan areas in general, also to put them with our local markets. So those eight are in uh, Seattle, Chicago, Denver, Houston, Toronto, Boston, Charlotte, and Atlanta. I was counting them off in my head as I was saying them just to make sure <laughs> I got them all. Um, and I skipped, uh, I think that's all of them. Was that eight? I believe that was eight. Yes. And when um, are you coming to Columbus, Ohio? <laughs> well, well, well. Um, <laughs> we have a team. Um, actually, one of my colleagues is working very much on Ohio right now. And we're going to open up some local markets and potentially um, what we're calling an edge location, which is a little bit smaller than a build center. But we would be able to have some locally um, sourced folks in Ohio, which we're very excited about. Um. Yeah, we're like... We're an IT hub here in the on the East Coast. We like to consider ourselves important <laughs> like that. Well, I'm just saying the people that are working on it, they're very excited. So um, I'm looking forward to my first trip out there too. Oh, well, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So the solution owner role. Yep. Did I say that right? You owner did. Role? You got it. Solution okay. owner role. Okay. We have 97, of, 97 peeps mm-hmm. doing that role. And you said it was a scrum master, product owner, and what was it? So it's this combination of a project manager, a scrum master, and a business analyst. Oh, business analyst. Okay. But I think the history is is pretty fascinating. If that's where your question was going to go, Give okay. It to us. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> when I came, so a little bit more about my gra- background that's not just slalom is I've been in technology my entire career. I was, I went to college, I went to Washington State University. And when I went there, I wanted to be an engineer. I was, you know, one of those, I was in high school and I was, I I loved math and science. I was good at it and I loved it. So at the time I thought the only thing open to me was, was classic engineering. And I got, I got to school and I was in the class. I'm like, this is really boring. So sorry to the engineers that are out there because I'm sure it would be awesome. (laughs) And and part of it was the, the 
I love people. I'm a people person. I've done all the disc profiles and I, I love relationships and people. So part of it was probably that as I looked around and I, I didn't relate to anyone in my classes. So I switched majors to business, didn't know what I was going to do. And second year into school, they, they came up with the, you know, the management information systems track. So I was like, well, that sounds cool. And I still remember taking my first computer programming class. And it was the first time I willingly stayed up all night to do something. It was so exciting. And I know it's laughable now. It was Visual Basic. But it was, it was just so fun. I remember being able to code something and see it come on the screen and pulling data in and doing all of that. And so I was really happy. We were the first class to graduate with, with MIS degrees at Washington State. And that led to um, getting a consulting job. Did you say which Visual I Basic? That's I did. Old, that's old school. <laughs> I, know, I know. I just dated myself. Well, I'm about to date myself even further. So oh, boy. <laughs> I know. So I, I go to get this consulting job, which I didn't even know what that was. And I ended up coding in COBOL for a year. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I know. Green screen. It was awesome. But again, it was still the fact of the coding and development. And the t- I love the process. Like I, I, sometimes I feel so lucky that I, I fell in this. Because from day one at my job, I loved it. I loved the whole part of it. And, you know, we, I, was, I was with Accenture and we were doing this massive program. And so I got to learn so much, you know, in doing that. So I feel, like I said, very lucky to be in this industry and being able to have that experience. So fast forward, I've always been in consulting. I've always been, um, I only had three jobs. It's my, it was my third job. So it was either, you know, generous, you know, technology management consulting. And then I went and worked for a, a software company. And then um, I, I'm here now. And one of the questions, so I'm getting to your solution owner question. One of the questions that came to me from our founders of Small and Build was, hey, we're, we're about to do a new model, which is going to be remote development in these build centers. And that's going to be agile. It's going to be modern. It's going to be fast moving. We're going to build software, not maintain software, which means we're going to be doing innovative work. And what does that type of project leadership look like? What in your experience should that, should that be? What should those people have? What should we build? So I kind of add this really like greenfield to decide what that looked like. Um, and that's where that solution owner concept came out of. Um, I can't take all the credit. There was another group in Slalom that had started to work on this pr- approach and, and they had actually coined the term solution owner. But basically it's a, it's a, it's a person who, really understands technology, similar background to myself of you probably maybe had an MIS degree or a computer science degree. Then as you started to get into developing software, you realize that you actually like to lead teams more than develop software. So, but you have that core technology background to when you go in and you lead a team, the software engineers respect you. They understand that you understand what they're doing and you have to have the capability to talk to the business, talk to the client and translate, do that translation. So they have to trust you both ways. So we created this approach and this methodology and this profile. And I still remember people saying, you're not going to find anyone <laughs> that fits all of that. <laughs> and yeah, that's why the 97 is super important to me is because we've found 97 of them and they're awesome. They're amazing. They have this deep technology commitment. They're also really good project leaders they're really good BAs. They love that detail. So it's been really fun and exciting to have that capability grow and see what it means to our project delivery. I love that term, solution owner role. I mm-hmm. love because 
I have worn each of these hats at separate occasions. Well, so often something um, I yeah, and often one of the things that I, I hear Elizabeth is people come and they do interviews and they're like, I felt lost in the world. I felt lost in the technology world. I didn't fit in IT and I didn't fit in project management or product management. And I was somewhere in the middle and I didn't feel like I had a career. I hear that over and over again. And we have some material on our on our website on, on slalombill.com. And there's um, some blogs on solution ownership. And I, whenever I interview people are like, I read the blog, I read the information and I finally felt like someone got me, someone understood me. So I, I, it's been so fun to find these, these people that want to do this role and really fun. Okay. You have to do, now that you said the website, you have to spell it out. So people will know <laughs> where to go. I can do it. I can do it. Um, so it's S L A L O M B U I L D.com. Okay. Yeah, we always like to, you know, for you to give yourself some shout outs. So <laughs> I didn't even mean to do it and it happened. <laughs> it's really good information. So if it helps someone, that would be great. But yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. So, um, okay, so that's one part of what you work on. And then you work on the quality engineering as, and that you said that's the testing part of it. That's correct. Now, what kind of history does that have? Also fascinating. <laughs> so again, when we were starting this organization, uh, we were hiring a lot of software engineering. So a lot of people who could code and obviously build software. And our our plan of attack for for testing and quality wasn't as organized. We had a few a few folks, and most of them were um, more manual testing. And part of the current strategy at the time, and it was okay six years ago, was more functional testing. So manually going through screens and looking at things, the industry has fundamentally changed where all of that is basically automated. And so when you look at someone who, who does testing today, and in particular, the approach that we've taken, the quality engineering team, they're, they're engineers. They are, they're engineers that just work on a, a, a test solution. So they are highly, highly technical. Most of them have computer science degrees. And when they started developing software, they just realized they were they loved to test software. They loved to break things instead. Their brains think a little bit differently. They think about edge cases. They think um, very highly about the end user experience. So what we decided to do there is um, hire people into that organization or into that capability that say to us in the interview, I love to test. I've chosen quality as my career versus a pass-through. And I believe that that decision fundamentally changed that group mindset. So everyone there loves testing. They love quality. They're not people who couldn't hack it in software development or wanted to do something else. So there's this really tight bond amongst them because they've chosen this as a career. So you know, the two different mindsets of solution owners, they don't, they don't code anymore, highly technical, but they don't code anymore. These quality engineers are high, very, very technical who develop test solutions, test frameworks, automated scripts, can really um, co-design and code, almost co-develop with our software engineers. So it's been really fun, again, to build that team. And we are, they are so in demand because our software, the process to building it is so much smoother and better, high quality, that 
we have an awesome ratio on every single project of software engineers to quality engineers. That's great because I think sometimes the testing or the quality Mm kind of gets overlooked. It's not always focused on like it should be. Yep. Um, So that's great. Okay. So I have, I have more questions. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's talk about women who build Mm -hmm. your WWB's mission. People laugh. They're like, it sounds like WWE. It's wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) It's not wrestling. (laughs) Well, you could do that. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I didn't mention that in my kind of start. It is something it's also, I'm also, I'm very proud and honored to be our executive sponsor for our, our, our women who build group. The history is slalom. Slalom is a company. So all, gosh, I don't even want to say how many people we have because there's a lot of thousands of us of slalom employees. They, for years and years, they've had a focus on women and diversity and making sure that women here feel like they have a home and that they're welcome and that there's a there's a team and a network around them. So when I joined, and it's still today, there's, a, there's, a, there's an organization in Slalom called the Women's Leadership Network, WLN for short. And so I, I started to get involved. Um, you know, when I got here, I was the most senior woman in what's now called Build. And so my management asked me to say, hey, can you start this up and build? I was like, absolutely. So we started that group. And what I quickly found out is our profile within Build of our female employees is just different than consulting. On the consulting side, they are more veterans in consulting. They've been doing that career. Slalom's, met, Slalom's approach is most people have 15 plus years of experience and they're at a different stage in life than what we hire and build, which is a lot of women straight out of college, early career. They have different needs and desires that they want from this job. So that was a difference that I saw immediately. The other difference was we are 100% focused on technology and building software versus local consulting is involved in strategy and management consulting and amazing things for our clients. So our profile was different. So when we relaunched Build um, two years ago, or was it a year ago? year ago, I wanted to rethink our name that we were using and women who build really resonated as the right name. And the name is meaningless, except for our mission. So our, our mission is, it's really about retention. It's really about making sure that the women in build and the women who are here, again, feel that sense, that deep sense of belonging, of growth, of connection and collaboration. We have a, a women who build group in every single one of our build centers. And they all have a flavor of that build center. So a build center in Seattle is different from the culture of a build center in Boston. But essentially, the the activities range from lunch and learns to where there's a topic and they're all discussing over lunch, to going to a self-defense class, to inviting in external speakers, to sponsoring training. It's a wide variety of activities. And I would say on a monthly basis in every single build center, there is an event that's happening for the women in that, in that organization. And one of our key mission statements is we definitely want them to be for women and for women to go, but we also invite men as well. In fact, this morning, um, one of my colleagues, he told me, I went to the, the uh, women who build lunch. It was so awesome. And the conversation was great. So we want to make sure that it's really about sharing and learning from each other. So 
it's a wide variety of, of events that we have. But the main goal being really retention of the women that we have. So what would you say is your percentage there of women in the company? Interesting that you asked that. So um, we... I, for Slalom Consulting, I don't have those statistics. I can talk about my teams. Um, So in in quality engineering, 26% of the team is is women. And in solution ownership, it's actually 35% of the organization is women. And I was also looking at some other facts. um, And in this quarter, well, in Q1 of 2019, in solution ownership, we actually hired uh, 50% women, uh, our hires that month. So we're trending up because obviously to get to, uh, we have a goal of getting to gender parity in slalom build. And so to get there, we need to be at above 60%, 70% (laughs) every quarter. But um, wow, yeah, we're definitely, um, it's a focus of ours that we are um, laser focused on making sure that we're doing the right things. Wow, that's great. Well, get with it totally supports what you have. <laughs> I figure so. Um, it's a good audience. <laughs> we yes, you have the best audience. Um, yes, that's our focus is to um, get that equalness going. We do um, welcome men to get with it, as it is important for them to support and. That's great. That's great that that gentleman said he went to lunch and had a wonderful time. Um, I'm sure he learned a lot. Oh, he did. <laughs> and we've we've invited men to events for years, and they all walk away saying, "Wow, that wasn't a what I was expecting," and B, that was awesome. I feel great. I feel really lucky. And um, actually, we do these events twice a year in every build center where it's. It's essentially a a meeting for that build center. And we have lots of topics and we only do it twice a year because build centers are so big. But at the last one, we did these breakouts. And um, one of the breakouts was focused on women who build. And I went to all the meetings and I hosted a table at each one. And every single table that I hosted, and they rotated. So at every single event, there was at least three or four different groups at my tables without fail, every single table, men were saying, how, what can I do? Please tell me. I just need to know what to do, whether it's training or help, like, just tell me. So I feel really lucky to be part of an organization that has that, that outlook and that strategy and makes it a lot, it makes it really easy to um, start making impact. Yeah. So where, what is the history of the builds? Like where was it like a, a group of individuals who started it or were you one of the original founders of build? Yeah. So, um, the history is, so Mike Cowden is our president and, and Mike joined eight years ago. I think my math is correct. Eight years ago. And he, he had been in his career, um, creating an opening, I'll call him, build centers or deliver centers worldwide. And for years, you'd been thinking we should be doing this within the U S we should, we should be opening up places where our computer science graduates have a place to go. And he had a general concern that computer science graduates graduating from school would have 
not as awesome opportunities to go and build software. So he had been talking to Slalom for a while and he gave, he, he told him his idea. He's like, I want to build these build centers called them delivery centers at the time. And, and I want to hire early career talent. And I think it'll be an awesome benefit for Slalom. So they said, yeah, do it. So he came over and he brought one of his key lieutenants, Ian Cook and Ian Cook um, and him really masterminded our growth and our strategy and how we were going to work through through their network and contacts and just general enthusiasm, they were able they were able to build a pretty incredible um, leadership team across the country. So that's really the I guess the start of it. I would say in the last three years, really we we refined and, and really defined our strategy into this concept that we call build as a service, and it became very clear that the customers that we were working with tend to be a lot, really mid-market focus. Not, well, they tend to be mid-market companies. I guess I'll say that differently. They tend to be mid-market companies. So not, not super small, but not the big enterprises. We looked at every, all the customers we were working with, like, why, are, why is this customer base really wanting to work with us? And when we dug in a little bit deeper, what we realized was with our defined methodology and approach and I think our general demeanor about just really getting to know them, being really, really helpful, them being confident in our ability to build their software for them, that was really resonating with these companies that were dependent upon whatever we were about to build for them for their success. So it was like a mutual dependence upon each other. So that concept that builds a service concept where, hey, when you need us, call us. We will come in with the team because we have all the team, all the right capabilities in all of our build centers. We will spin up a team for you. We'll help you build your thing and then we'll go away. And next time that you need us, call us back. So being able to kind of give that to our customers on demand as they need it is the model that we believe is really resonating with these mid-market companies who don't necessarily need a company to come in and run their software. They think they can do that on their own. Eventually they need someone to really innovate and build it with them and help them figure out what it is. And for a company to say, we can do that with you. And then we're cool walking away. They feel really comfortable with that. So it's been interesting watching, you know, the great idea of the build centers and the early career talent and mentoring that talent married with senior capable talent that can really talk about what we do with the build centers being, you know, within proximity of our clients intersected with the right size of client has been pretty, I believe, we believe that that's why it's really taken off the way that it has. So where is he originally from? Where does he live or where did he work? Well, <laughs> I guess both because you said across to bring it to United States. So that made me automatically think he wasn't from here. He was working for one a big consulting firm and setting up a lot of their offshore capability. Oh, okay. Okay. He I lives here in Seattle. I just made an assumption. And yeah, I yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was working. So yeah, setting up a lot of offshore capability and like moving around the world doing that. And it was like, we should do this. There should be this concept in North America. And one of the things we often say is, you know, as we're, we're going global, we're definitely going solemn build is going to go global. And one of the things we say is, yeah, we may go into lower cost countries where well, lower cost labor, but it's to build software within that country. 
And it's a different way of looking at if you go into any of these countries, you're like, actually, we're going to build a build center here, but it's to build software in this country. It's not to export that talent. So that's a, a one of the ways that we think of finding the talent, finding the talent that wants to work in this way and giving them this opportunity to work as part of these teams. Okay. Wow. It's super fun. That's a lot. It's super fun. <laughs> we, I mean, everyone here is deep, deep appreciation of learning. A, we do these, uh, everyone does hackathons. One of the different ways that we do hackathons is we do one or we do about two a year. And what you, we do is we say, okay, here's the general theme. Uh, one was social hack for good. And we take about six months to do that. So the theme goes out, people form teams, and they have kind of six months to work on their solution. And it's all in your own free time. And people get so excited. And at the end, we're a very competitive company. So there's a competition and people present their thing and we put them together. And there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a panel that's choosing the best hackathon. And it's just very exciting for people to take um, these new technologies and apply them in a different way. And one of the things that one of those teams came up with was, well, what if you put um, facial recognition software into a drone? And I know this stuff's out there, but they built it. And then they were talking about pulling in databases of from you know police departments of people that they're looking for. So they actually go and look for them. There's a lot of implications to that, I understand. But it was really fascinating. People really got into the how do we help the world? And we spend the time, six months, letting them kind of work on, work on that problem. And it's, it's just these teams are all of the capabilities, software engineering, quality engineering, and they're all coming together to work on a, a common problem. It's really fun to see them um, apply their skills in that way, not just for client work, but for other work as well. Wow, that's pretty cool. So you kind of have like an innovation competition. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. It, it is, and but people like I, I'm, I'm, I love being competitive. So maybe it's my own personality, but um, friendly competition that is. But yeah, it kind of is. You know, they um, and they love it. They get so excited. The last hackathon, they had the final presentation in Toronto. And uh, all these teams went to Toronto and the excitement was palatable. You could feel it. They were getting their posters ready and they were getting their presentations ready. And and really, they just want to, you know, share what they've created with the group. But yeah, of course, you have to crown a winner. But it's really fun. That sounds awesome. So I feel like Slalom Build is like all about their employees. That's an open-ended question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel that way. Um, we do a lot of, I would say I feel that way, but it's, it's better for me not to feel that way, but actually know the data. Islam does a, an annual survey every year, our employee satisfaction survey, and our results are analyzed thoroughly. We go through all of the results based on the results. We put together committees to go and action anything that we think is a relatively low score. And uh, we make sure that we are actioning all of that because we we really do want everyone to, I mean, our, our value statement or our mission statement is everyone to love their work in life. And we live that every day. And loving our work in life is our employees loving their work in life, but it's also our clients. It's also helping them in whatever way we can love their work in life a little bit better. So we take that to heart. And one of those ways is this employee survey. 
that every year we know, you know, when it goes out and when the results come in as a management team, we know that we're going to be pouring through them, looking for trends. We compare to last year, we compare to the year before, we compare to different teams. And it's really important that we action that and that we know that everyone knows when they give feedback that we're listening. And we strive for 100% participation, 100%. And because it's anonymous, we don't know who hasn't responded, but we'll continue asking until we, we think we get to 100%. And normally we are like at 99, which is pretty amazing when you think about the surveys that go out that we get about 99% of our people to respond. Wow, that's great. That is great. Wow. Okay. So um, back, back to what Slalom Build may offer. So I see you have like an intern program, internship program. I'm glad you asked. We do. <laughs> it's amazing. It started as a, a bit of an experiment and it's turned into an institution. It is amazing. Last year we did the internship program at four of our build centers. This year it's going to be at all of them. Um, so we've never managed that complexity. I could get my numbers wrong, so don't quote me on this one. But and it's being recorded, so I'm being quoted. But we opened up, <laughs> and I'm going to get it wrong, and my my friend Joel is going to get mad at me. It's okay, yeah, it's fine. Um, but we um, opened up the applications, and within like hours, we had thousands of applicants. It, it was just insane because the, the reputation now about the internship program has it's the results are amazing. So. We, um, in our build centers, we partner with some local universities and we put out the application process and they apply. And when we go through and we do all of the interviews and we get down to each build center, six to eight folks somewhere along that line, and they form a team. So we have a solution owner intern. We have software engineering interns. We have quality interns. We have experience design. So there are all the capabilities and they do an internal project for us but it's a project that we're going to use. So it's technology that they know that we are going to be using internally, which is super fun for them. And we run the process just like we do a normal project. So we put a product owner in charge. One year they were presenting back to um, one of our founders of Slalom and his whole team. So it is an amazing experience for these interns and they learn to work together across build center. They actually develop working software and it is so fun for them and for our people. Everyone gets so excited when we're starting the internship program, which actually started, I think, this week in Toronto. And in the U.S., it starts. they start in two weeks. Oh, so wow. we're about in, in, yeah, I know, we're about in intern season, which will be really fun. Yeah. Summertime always brings on, brings that part of college life. Since this is, since you're not in Ohio, which... Maybe someday you will be. Um, <laughs> we are. We're coming. I promise. <laughs> what are some clients? Like, I think perhaps the audience would like to know more of like, is there somebody that we can relate to that you work with and what you do for them? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, I mean, we work with such a range of clients. I'm trying to think through the ones in my head right now that will give you a, a range and can I say client names? You you can. I can. Well, actually, some of them have NDAs. I'm going to be generic just because I okay. don't know who has an NDA and who doesn't. So I'm just going to be generic okay. right now. So here's 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 an example. Um, high end fitness company builds fitness equipment. Okay. They came to us to 
put their device that you would see on your screen as you're running or working out, put all of that software into the cloud and totally rebuild the way that you would interact with it as a user of the system. And they had never done any of that. Well, they built software before that went into their devices, but they'd never put any of it into the cloud. So we helped them with that whole infrastructure piece of it, um, how to design that, plus did the whole user interface for um, that software. And it was really fun, like around the office would be these pieces of um, the actual exercise equipment because they would have to test it as they were doing it. So that's one, one type of project. Another type of project is working with a client who they're a software company and they sell the software to restaurants, well-recognized brands around the world um, to run their POS system, to put all of that information out onto the internet. So it's a it's menu management and it's backend POS integration. So if you walk into one of these restaurants, their software runs a lot of um, the restaurants that you would know worldwide. So we're completely rebuilding that platform. Another um, client is they are the number one provider of, I'll call it loyalty management software. So if you think about all the loyalty programs that are out there, whether it's air miles or hotel miles, their software runs a lot of those programs. And again, we're rebuilding that platform behind the scenes. So it's more, it's more efficient for them. There's another one that we're doing that's very different. So those are kind of you know, software companies. There's a company that manages all of the, I'll call it oil pipelines in a particular state. And by the management of that, that I mean, they have to control where the oil is going to flow through, what the price of that is going through those pipes. And it's a very complicated algorithm on the back end. And we're helping them rebuild that, that software. Well, actually, it's all a lot of it's managed by databases and Excel spreadsheets. So we are building this, the application that's going to manage all of that. So it's a wide variety of different types of projects that, that we're involved in. Wow. Keeps you busy. And again, I'm going to give you another plug. When I gave the website earlier, if you go out there, there's a lot of examples of different, on slalombuild.com, a lot of different case studies. You can actually read about in fact, one of them I think is out there that I just mentioned. You can read it in detail and you can actually see the software that we produce. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, now it's time to brag. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Slalom was ranked number 14 on the Glassdoor's 2019 Best Places to Work list. Mm-hmm. Give, give us... so. Was we have a best workplace here in Ohio? I'm assuming the glass doors is the Seattle rendition of this, perhaps. So I thought glass door was everywhere, um, but maybe it's not in every every single location. So we're on glass door. We also are ranked on best places to work. We're also in Forbes top 100 best places to work. So. I wish I knew all the spots. My CEO, he, if he listens to this, we like Sharon, you should know where we sit on everything. <laughs> so sorry, Brad. Um, so we are, I just can't even describe to you. Slalom is, Slalom, not just Slalom Build. Slalom is an amazing company to work for. I honestly can't imagine being employed by any other company after this experience. You know, I don't think it's just because we're privately held. You know, our founders 
they are so involved in, they're so involved and passionate about what we do. And that, that consistent vision for the last over 20 years, I think has driven us to be very values driven. Um, we like to say we're, we're a values first company. Our, our slalom core values are everywhere. They're on our website, they're on the walls, and they're not just words. We live them. I live them. I try to live them every single day. And I know most of us do. So I think being a values-driven company, thinking about one of our values is do what is right always. And I've been in conversations with our president talking about a situation and he'll literally quote that. It's like, what's the right thing to do? Remember always. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Never mind. Decision's clear. It's easy. <laughs> when you t- when you talk about doing the right thing, it, it makes it it makes it much clearer. So I think our being values driven it keeps us at the top on that list. You can't stay on that list. You can't have employees that are this happy unless you continually stay focused on them and be authentic. I think that we're a really authentic leadership team. I think that we um, we lead. We don't manage. We're really involved. Um, I can't think of a, of a manager here. We're, we're really, we, we get involved. We get involved in delivery. We're actively involved in getting to know our employees. I personally, and I know many of my colleagues spend hours talking to as many people as we possibly can and focusing on making sure that they're getting what they need. I mean, it's just, I could go on forever about this company. It is, is honestly a tremendous company to work for. Oh, that's great. Hopefully the president listens. <laughs> I hope so too. And then he'll be happy with me. Well, she said some of the right things anyway. <laughs> okay. So I have a question. What is the daring women? What is daring women? Oh, <laughs> that was um, one of the, I, I, I've gotten lots of opportunities to get out there and talk about Slalom and to um, be interviewed. And daring women was one of the groups within within Seattle that um, asked to interview me. And I was really lucky to be on that list. So it's just a publication where they go out and they interview women in Seattle and, and listen to their story and then decide if they will publish it. So I feel pretty lucky about that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I, um, I came across it and I was like, I wonder what daring women is. I thought maybe <laughs> you had a side gig of daring no, women no. out there. <laughs> no, it's a great publication. I think there's many organizations like yours that um, part of this, part of changing the tide is, is talking more and being out there more. For many years, I was uncomfortable with that. I also now know that whatever I can do to inspire any any female to get into this industry um, and stay in this industry and that there is amazing ways and different ways to be successful, I will do. So I, I, I quiet any of my discomfort and um, I, I'm now trying with some support from my management of, of getting out and talking to as many people as I can. Oh, that's great. That's great. So um, let's do our promotions. Darren's looking at me. Um, <laughs> like promote Again, the website. Yes. Everyone should go out to slalombuild.com. S. Oh, I'll spell it. S-L-A-L-O-M-B-U-I-L-D.com. Okay. And what, and when they go to the website, they should be able to connect to a careers page, um, 
yeah. that kind of thing, correct? Yeah. Okay. I Great. would spend some time looking at our, our case studies, the way that we work. And then there is a career site with what the jobs look like. There's even videos out there and there's job postings. So feel free to apply through the website if you think something's a good fit. Okay, that's awesome. Now, let's talk about how we can get you to come to Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) And when you get here, get with it Mm -hmm. and then meet you. That would be awesome. I act like get with it's like one person. It's it's not. There's (laughs) we have a national board and then we have local chapters. So we're trying to go nationally with the get with it mission and vision, which is sort of in line to what um, you all out on the West Coast have. I would love to do that. I mean, we can definitely, like, we should have follow-up conversations. And when we have, you know, the women who build in every single build center, there is multiple build centers on the East Coast, and we would love to partner together. So we should definitely talk. And I would love to come to Columbus. It's a city I haven't been to. I'm in. Come to Columbus. (laughs) We have lots of fun here, don't we, Darren? (laughs) I'm sure. Happy hours are my favorite. (laughs) I'm in. So (laughs) perfect. All right. Well, yeah, we would love to um, maybe offline. Hannah will be able to connect us and we'll get you out here in Columbus. You want to come like now before winter because winter sucks here. (laughs) I can come in the summer for sure. And Hannah says she'd be happy to organize. And Hannah probably wants to come too, right? Because I think Hannah totally wants to come. Welcome. <laughs> She's nodding. <laughs> come and spend some time out here in Columbus, Ohio. Well, that's awesome. All right. So we want to do some um, promoting again. Slalom Build. Check out the website. Check out Sharon Lynch. Did I say the last name right? You did. Perfect. Okay. All right. Do you have a direct email or should we put Hannah's email out there if people have direct questions here locally? I would love it for Hannah to filter all that for me. Okay. Gosh darn. Hannah's going to have her hands full. She's going to have her hands full. I'm I'm looking at her and she's nodding. So it's all good. Yeah. People have questions. Hannah can filter that through and I would be happy to answer anything. Super excited. Yeah. Sometimes our listeners come back and they have, they'll email me questions and I won't always know the correct answer. So I may direct them your way then. That'd be perfect. All right. Awesome. Well, what other things do you want to promote? Anything coming up on your end? So now you, now it's like, again, someone's going to listen and go, why didn't she talk about X, Y, and Z? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Go to our website, Um, go look at everything that we do. I think that's top of mind for me. Okay. Well, perfect. I'm going to promote the Get With It fourth annual conference. We would love if we could get Sharon to come out. It's on September 30th. This year it's Blueprint, the new blueprint for leadership, Mm. how we rise. So it's all about women in those leadership roles, kind of how they got there, inspiring the next generation and people like myself. I'm more of the middle ager that made the jump. So you are inspiration to us all. Well, thank so, you. September 30th. Hannah, put that on the calendar. And I wrote it down too. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Sharon, I don't want to take up much more of your time seeing as you were so kind to give us your lunch 
Hopefully that coffee held you over. It did. It's, I, I'm not even done yet. So I still oh. got some to go. Perfect. <laughs> well, you have a good rest of your day and I thank you and I will follow up with Hannah and um, hopefully we can get you out here. Thank you, Elizabeth. That was, that was fun. And I hope that the um, audience learned something. Oh, we sure did. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. We will see you next time and feel free to drop us a line at getwitit.org.